Hello everyone and welcome to the Head to Head podcast, the show less about the answers and all about the arguments. Our guests will go head to head with each other over multiple rounds until finally one is declared victorious and wins the prestigious honour of simply being the winner. So without further ado, let's introduce our guests. First up, we have one of my old school friends coming to us all the way from Holland. It's Takuma Yarwood. Hello. <laughs> Hello, mate. <laughs> Secondly, the first of our Battle of the Brums, fresh off his new promotion, it's Tom Hunt. Morning, morning. <laughs> and our other big Brum, hailing from Sutton, it's Luke Horton. Hello. And lastly, but by no means least, our resident basketball expert, it's Harry Dennis. Oh, thank you very much, Michael. It's a real displeasure to be here. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, you're too (laughs) kind. Um, Right, so without further ado, let's get started on our first round. The opening round of the show pits one guest against another with a topic that I'll give them. To avoid absolute anarchy, each guest will get an opening statement and then a few minutes to debate and rebuttal the opponent. The other two guests will join me in scoring the round and declaring a winner. Now, remember, the most important part is the argument. You could say that Scott Speed is the finest man to have driven a Formula One car. And if you back it up well enough, you would win. Right. Have we all got it? He is. is, The fact that he actually is. He's got the greatest name of any Formula One driver ever. We'll say that. Um, (laughs) Okay. So without further ado, we're going to Luke and Tom for this question. With Ronaldo about to equal the all-time goals record in football... Tell me the most impressive record that will never be broken. Luke, the floor is yours. Well, so my most impressive record that I think will never be broken, um, I'll go to Formula One for it. And I will say it's got to be Lewis Hamilton's driver championship and wins. Um, Obviously, he's an absolute incredible driver. I mean, um, he's really benefited from Mercedes having dominance since the hybrid era. But even if you compare him to his uh, teammate Bottas and unfortunately got beaten by Rosberg, he's just such an incredible driver. My belief that it's unbeatable is more to do where I think Formula One's going to go in the next 10 to 15 years. I think you're seeing drivers are getting younger and younger. Back in the 50s, F1 drivers could turn up with a martini in hand at age 30 and win a couple of Grand Prix. Now they're all karting since basically they can walk. So all drivers are getting younger and Basically, I don't think people are going to be able to survive long enough in Formula One to stay competitive for people to be able to beat seven world championships in the future. Um, I also think that um, kind of Formula One is going to go in a different direction in terms of constructors. We see Honda pulling out at the end of next year. Um, VW, their um, whole thing um, moving to electric motorsports. I think um, Formula One as the sort of petrol-powered motorsport is going the other way, um, going the way of the dodo, sorry. (laughs) And um, so I think we're going to see Formula One potentially move more towards a spec series where the the, the manufacturers, um, there's fewer manufacturers in it. So I don't think we're going to see the likes of the dominance from Mercedes ever again in Formula One. And paired with such a fantastic driver, I think Lewis Hamilton's record is unbeatable. Well, certainly a very good opening statement there. Tom, what do you think? Well, I mean, I mean... I, I've, I've got my thoughts on, on Formula One, but um, I, I specifically have gone for uh, tennis and specifically Rafa Nadal's record at the French Open um, of individual Grand Slams won by a player. And 
there's a few reasons why I think this. Firstly, because he's already way ahead of the curve. He's won 13 versus, you know, Roger Federer, who's won eight um, Wimbledons. Djokovic has won eight Australian Opens. And then um, I believe Martina Navratilova, um, horrible pronunciation, but she's won nine Wimbledons in the women's um, (laughs) circuit. But I think Nadal, he's going to win. He's going to win more French Opens. He's not going to end his career on 13. And it's just going to come to a point that when does he stop winning them? Because I think, you know, he could end up winning one at 40, um, <laughs> the way he's going. And I think what's even more impressive about about his record is that he had dodgy knees halfway through his career, which for a tennis player is obviously so vital, especially the way that Nadal plays with his sort of high-intensity um, style and, and long, long games. Um, so the fact that he's managed to keep that, keep that going throughout his entire career, I think is... I, I, I can't see a single player coming onto the circuit and doing the same. Um, I think it's quite hard to see a tennis player coming through and hitting the heights of Nadal, Federer and Djokovic anyway right now, just because they're so good. But I just think that record is almost untouchable. And I don't think we'll ever see a single tennis player more dominant in one tournament. Right. OK, Luke, what do you think about that then? Why Why is Hamilton's record more impressive? Um, In terms of Nadal's record, um, obviously... Is it 13 Opens, French Opens? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, that's incredible. Um, but I have to ask you, what's kind of the, the, the lifespan of a career within tennis? And is it getting shorter? Because that's my main argument for why Lewis Hamilton's record is so impressive and is going to stay. Is um, A, because he is a fantastic driver and it, he's, he's brilliant. But it's more to do with the fact that um, the sport is getting more and more professionalized. And that window for winning world championships is getting so so much shorter. Um, with tennis, is there a similar thing going on there where um, younger and younger players are retiring sooner and sooner? Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's going the opposite way, actually. I think I think players are starting to play beyond their age. And I think it's because, you know, you know, if you look at the sports science that we have these days, like, like Roger Federer is 39 and he's still at the top of the game. Um, Rafa Nadal is 34, he's still at the top of the game. Djokovic is in his 30s, still at the top of the game. Um, which makes it even harder for the younger players, because if you think about the fact that Nadal won his first title when he was 19, 20, like, you just couldn't see that happening nowadays. Um, and it might, it might start to happen again in the future, but I, I think the future of tennis will be, it will be almost more competitive, there'll be more, there'll be different players starting to win tournaments. Um, and my one thing on Hamilton, and, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert on Formula One at all, but is th- this record, did he just break this record? Yeah, yeah, am I, I right see. in thinking that? Because the way I see it is that if he's just broken the record, that means that someone was already close to the amount of wins that he got. And I just wonder whether, you know, I mean, it's obviously such a future gazing outlook, but is there a chance that someone could come on the scene and emulate that in years to come? Yeah, I mean, so it was Schumacher who held the record before for the most championships and wins, and that was hailed as an unbreakable record at the time. Um, I don't think what people weren't expecting was this last six years of Mercedes being so dominant. Um, I think, but I think there may be drivers who are as good as Hamilton um, or kind of touching it. I mean, I was watching a Top Gear where Hamilton did that lap in the oil and the wet and beat three other drivers who've done it in the dry. Like, he is absolutely incredible. But 
that height is not unreachable from the amount of people that are driving since they're three years old. It's ridiculous. I think we're just not going to see the dominance in a team like that um, in the future, which is um, not something I'm, I'm sure you can say for tennis because it is just an individual sport. I think we might have the individual in F1 who could challenge Hamilton, but I don't think we'll have the team that can challenge Mercedes in the future. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think it's quite interesting with the future of Formula One because obviously we, we've got the future of electric cars coming in. Yeah. And <laughs> I can just picture like in the future, just a couple of kids playing like on a PlayStation controller, controlling these cars rather than someone actually driving the car themselves. Yeah. <laughs> almost, like, almost like a video game. But, um, but yeah, I, I just think, you know, I think, I think Lewis Hamilton breaking the record recently that was viewed as unbreakable shows that that record was breakable. And I think that means that Lewis Hamilton's record therefore goes as being breakable. Whereas Rafa Nadal, no player has ever hit these heights in history. No yeah. player is even close to hitting the heights that Nadal's hit. And that's why I kind of think, you know, when we're talking about a record that will never be broken, I, I genuinely couldn't see anyone ever sort of hitting those same heights. All right, any, closing, any closing statements? Um... <laughs> Luke's, Luke's on the ropes. <laughs> no, um, in terms of, uh, I just think in in terms of um, beating Nadal's record, um, I think with advancing sports science stuff, with, with individual sports, you will get genetic freaks. Sometimes you got like yeah, um, Michael Phelps and uh, people like that who are just um, so built for this one sport. Tennis is a bit different because it's such a aerobic sport with them running around. It's not just one activity, but I think in anything like that, you've always got to leave the opportunity for someone who is just, has just, their body is just built differently. Obviously, they've trained all their lives, but they just have better stamina, they're stronger, they're quicker. Um, and I think, um, obviously, Nadal is that. Um, but there's going to be someone in the future who's just like that. Maybe, they just, they, maybe they're not going to play tennis, but if somebody with that physique plays tennis, maybe in the next 20 years, we'll see something similar. And Tom? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the way I see it is that what makes, and I think I said it before, but what makes Nadal's t record so impressive is the fact that he had dodgy knees halfway through. Um, and, you know, it's like part, part, part of the parcel in, in tennis and all sports is, you know, do, can you keep fit? Can you keep in your best shape? And there was a period where it looked like Nadal wasn't. It looked like he was, he, he, he was going to drop off um, because of the injuries. And the fact that he managed to recover the sort of mentality and the attitude that requires to actually to actually you know come back from that injury and then go on and win another five six seven french opens um i just think you know that 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 mentality and physicality won't really be matched um okay i'm gonna call it there i have very good arguments well done thank you right uh you. Takuma, what, would, what would you say first what would you think about them that arguments I mean, both were, yeah. I re I really enjoyed the uh, both both arguments. Um, I do th I do really like Luke's uh, point in the, you know, the moving to the new kind of era of Formula One, and therefore that being like a really strong um, argument as to why you know these this sort of record won't be broken um, again. So that's kind of taking it from quite a literal. Yeah, um, literally point the of structure view. of the sport yeah. is changing. I thought that was yeah but, definitely an interesting point. Yeah, exactly. And equally, though, um, yeah, I really liked what Tom said about um, just the, what was it you said, something like the curve of which um, the fact that Nadal 
um, is so ahead of the curve in the, yeah, like, you know, Hamilton's just equaled the record of championships, whereas, you know, Nadal has just blown it away. Like, the man was, like, winning, what was it? He, I think at one point he'd entered 10 uh, Roland Garros's and won nine of them. Yeah, he's lost, like, like, two games. I think two games, yeah. <laughs> and one, one of them was in 2009 when he had all the injuries. Yeah, it's <laughs> astonishing. And, and he started when he was, like, I mean, he was taking on great tennis players when he was, like, yeah, 20 and and he's still going he's just yeah i think tom takes it for me if I'm tom, tom takes it all right harry which way are you going yeah very very delicate uh intriguing arguments there thank you very much but you know yeah it was going both ways and my obviously rafa nadal 13 roland garros is 13 world sexiest man awards according to me <laughs> going for 14 probably going to get it he is the front runner i do love him but you know luke not counting you out, I was like, I had my bias, but then you make it some points, and I was like, oh, oh, and if Rafa's listening, I'm sorry, because you had me going for a bit, but, oh, I've just got to say, right at the end, right at the end, you lost me, because you said, um, you were saying in your rebuttal, yeah, people, someone's body's just going to end up being better, you know, 20 years down the line, but then I couldn't help think, surely a car the technology is just going to get better so i think technology is going to get better before humans evolve um you know to have like three legs or something that wouldn't, <laughs> that, that wouldn't help too much but yeah i just think how is anyone going to break that record well you know those top three they've already seen off like two generations possibly three generations of like the top 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 guys like you know roddick uh, Murray, and then you know you've got the new age of like Dom TM and stuff, and uh, you know you got Gael Monfils who's like been kicking around forever. People like Songa, uh, you know he's like 60th now. He was like fourth, and in the time he's gone up, stayed at the top, gone back down. You've still got Rafa at the top. So even though I thought you were fighting a very good battle, I would probably have to side with uh, with Tomo there. Oh. Um, yeah, I thought again, sort of similar to what you two have said. I thought it was it was a really interesting debate. I really did like. I will say, I really thought that Luke's point about the structure of the sport changing. I thought that because because and maybe not enough was made of this, but you know, you get your in football, for example, you've had your Ronaldo's and Messi's who've just like, broken every record ever, and you just did, records we never thought would be broken, be unbroken. Um, but if the structure of the sport literally changes, <laughs> then it's like, you know, can can these records be broken? Because it, the the sport itself might not exist. And I thought that was kind of a very interesting point. Um, so yeah, I think based on that, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Luke actually. So, but that still puts t- Tom two one ahead. But there's plenty to play for, plenty more to play for. Luke, you've got another opportunity. You've got two more opportunities later. I'm surprised so, you went uh, against your countryman, Rafa Nadal, there, Michael. I, I, yeah, I know. I feel, <laughs> I feel terrible. You know, can, can I just add that I'm very glad that that didn't turn into a simple Messi versus Ronaldo debate because I, I think that we're all sick to the core of those. <laughs> yeah, no, God, yeah, we don't need another one of them. Um, okay, so that was a fantastic starting round and now we're going to flip over to Harry and Takuma. So your question is this. After Crawley's shock win over Leeds last weekend, what will be the biggest sporting surprise of 2021? So Takuma, you can begin. Right, well, obviously, it's going to have to be um, Nadal's debut in boxing. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was excited for a minute that, then. He'd be good. He'd be good. 
I reckon it actually, to be fair, oh, he'd, he'd do better than, than Federer, so he probably... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think his, his arms are probably the size of my face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, carry on, though. Um, yeah, no, I have gone for, um, kind of following on from the Formula One, um, I'm going to say that Mercedes is actually not going to win the Constructors' Championship for the first time since they began their dominance in 2014. Bloody hell. First of all, we've got to say that, of course, like Luke was saying before, we don't need to you know, reiterate that Mercedes are smashing it. Like, they're not... It's very, very unlikely, I would say, um, that um, Mercedes are going to... Uh, be beaten however i do i do really back red bull i have to, i do have to you know you do need to sh- show some shine some light onto that because of of course their addition of their second driver or their new second driver um sergio perez and of course their their front runner the main man the guy that most people are, or a lot of the toxic formula one community are saying the best driver in formula one right now max Verstappen, and um yeah, I just think that's a, a, a really um, strong boost to the team, you know, Sergio Perez. And uh, yeah, that's why I'm going to say that um, yeah, Lovely. Mercedes are not going to win this time around. All right, Harry, what have you put as your biggest shock of 2021? Yeah, well, just to start off, it did make me laugh when you phrased it as the Crawley shock win. You know, people were calling it. No shock to me there. <laughs> but, um, but if you want a genuine shock, I'll give you one. Um, so the biggest surprise, but first off, let me ask you a question. Michael, give me a basketball player. Name anyone, past or present. Um, Kobe Bryant. Kobe. Ah, oh, good one. Tack, give me a basketball player if you wouldn't mind. Um, 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 let's go with, um, Kevin Durant. Ah, oh, amazing choice. Luke. <laughs> um, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler. He's cool. Tom. Michael Jordan. Oh, fantastic. Surprised that took so long. Right. What do they all have in common? They're all really good at basketball. Uh, but <laughs> all American. I'm glad. Because I was really worried someone was going to say, like, a Spanish guy and completely derail my point. But, yeah, all American. So, since 1992, Americans have dominated basketball at the Olympics. you got to remember that. Olympic basketball, it's like the opposite of the World Cup. Like it's the, it's, there is a basketball World Cup, but it's the Olympics is, is the big one. And since 92, when the dream team was made with Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Charles Barkley, they've just absolutely dominated. But that is going to change because in 2021, I suppose the biggest surprise would be if the Olympics actually happen. But if they do happen, Team USA will be getting slapped in the Olympics. And my hot take is that they not only will they not win, they won't even get to the semi-finals because... They've created a monster by going there in 92 and demolishing everyone and every year since. They haven't just put other countries off. They've just encouraged them. And now it's kind of caught up with them because other nationalities and basketball are absolutely dominating the NBA at the minute. So when they go over to Tokyo, I think they're going to have a rude awakening and not even make the semifinals. And you'll be surprised, but I won't be. Lovely. I was so tempted to just call it time after you went round individually and asked us all to name a basketball player. <laughs> um, right, Takuma, what have you got to say about uh, I mean, the debate? I mean, it's interesting because um, he, he already brought it up. It would be a surprise even if the Olympics do go ahead. But uh, 
Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a very strong rebuttal. Aside from aside from that point, um, yeah, uh, maybe you. Could, I'm I'm not. I'm going to say now. I'm not the biggest expert on uh, <laughs> on back basketball. So, um, what sort of nations would you say would compete to beat the US? Because no, in, take, in my take, mind, take... as you say, as you say, US are just like like miles ahead and every uh, ahead of everyone else. Yeah, so maybe Spain. Pick, I guess not, Spain is that, that's the thing. It's not. Spain, classic one, right? So 2008, Spain almost dethroned America, and that would have been great. Um, but Kobe um, took over right at the end. But now it's not just Spain, man. you got Argentina, Spain, obviously France, low-key pretty good. Um, Australia, I think they beat uh, America in a friendly, like quite handily last year in like just an exhibition match. So it could be anyone. Like there's yeah. strong, strong, strong teams. And if you look in the NBA, like I'd say the top 10 players, you know, you Six of them are probably overseas now. So it's a complete sea change uh, in basketball, and I'm very excited for it. But why would one of yours be the biggest shock? That's that's the real question here. Because... Well, I think we've gone down the same... We've gone down the same route in that um, they've both been dominating the sport for so long. And the fact that this will be the first... Like, the year where, you know, it'll be the first time that they get dethroned, so to say, um, that'll make it the big biggest shock, I reckon. <laughs> Oh, Michael, oh. you're trying to turn us against each other, but me and Taka are united on this. That's <laughs> <Nice> right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a debate. Come on, let's have an argument here. Right. How about I say we all friendship. tell some jokes? Yeah. I think we should, all have a good, <laughs> we should all have a good time. Harry, give us your best joke. No, just kidding. <laughs> I want to know why, why, you know, why would Mercedes winning be a, be a massive shock? Why would another team that's not, sorry, why would not, sorry, why would Mercedes not winning be a massive shock? Why would uh, a team that's not America be a massive shock? I want to know why well, it's the I biggest could, shock as well. Um, as we said um, before, right, like the, the since 2014, Mercedes have been winning it pretty comfortably every year. Um, like the Constructors' Championship. I think this year, I mean, Luke can probably uh, confirm or deny this. I think I'm correct. Uh, in saying that if you take Bottas's points out of Mercedes' uh, tally from last year, last season, yeah. um, Hamilton Hamilton's points alone would give Mercedes the the constructors' uh, championship. Yeah. He, he's, he's so beyond dominant in it. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I know I, I have my reasons to as to thinking uh, as to why I think Red Bull could win the championship this year, and therefore it would be the um, biggest sort of upset of 2021 um yeah but if you went um, and asked 100 people in the street well don't do that because covid but if you did and you could <laughs> don't hold this against me i'd say 98 of them unless you've got a really patriotic aussie would say oh america <laughs> america's gonna walk this just because that's the expectation and that's so ingrained in our like cultural and sporting knowledge whereas yeah and f1 i don't think it's the i think it's a bit i think i think you're right but you know anyone's okay. guess really true true but also i think if you ask any or 100 uh yeah formula one enthusiasts and and for them to give their predictions as to who will win the championship the constructors championship next year i mean i'm I, i'm fairly certain every single one will say mercedes because yeah it is a real long shot it is i'll be honest with that it's a real <laughs> long shot <laughs> maybe too long of a shot then 
So, yeah, so why, why? So I know you said Perez, but obviously yeah. we all know the main thing in Formula One is it's the cars. So why do you think that Red Bull have a car capable? And equally, why, uh, Harry, do you think that one of these other teams have a team capable? Because the writing's on the wall, my good friend. Back in the day, when they first allowed these professionals to go overseas, it was like quite a big honor. Now, in 20, oh, when was it? 20, a couple of years ago, 2018, it was like in the World Cup, which I've said isn't as important, but no one wants to go. You've got all the people thinking, no, I'll rest, no, I'll go on holiday. Now for the Olympics, they're going to want to come back. But now you've got an awkward position because are you going to take the people who, who actually stuck by you and no one else wanted to, or are you going to let the superstars like your Kevin Durant's, uh, Steph Curry's waltz back in for the Olympics? I'm not sure. It's going to be pretty awkward. So that's why I think these, these teams for which it's the highest honor, your Argentinas, your Australias, where you know the NBL in Australia, it's nowhere near the NBA, is it? So an Olympic medal for them will be a lot more valuable than you know a medal from the Australian League, which is a good league. So they're up for it. They're gunning. They've got solid teams that have been playing together for the last three tournaments as actual squad. Team USA, they've just got a bunch of random players who are very good. I don't know if they, I don't think they're going to be able to pull it off. All right, tackle. It's interesting though. Because, it's interesting though because I think it's, it's it's taking it from face value as to like the US have. My my argument comes from uh, you know Mercedes having their dominance since just 2014. But yours comes from, like, culture almost. It comes from, like, it's just U.S. win <laughs> uh, basketball. So when you take it to a face value, like the question to, like, that face value, then, of course, I sh like, the U.S. winning this year would be a bigger upset. Thank you. Well, there, but... there you go. <laughs> yeah, but, but, just... <laughs> yeah, but that's not that. But but that doesn't necessarily mean it's more likely to happen. Like, yeah, of course, it will be the biggest shock. You, but you could also say, yeah, Rafa Nadal, um, making his pro debut, that would maybe even arguably be a bigger shock than um, the the basketball. It doesn't mean it's actually going to happen. You oh, know? do you mean what? Rafa Nadal versus Logan Paul 2021. <laughs> 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 All right, I think we're going to call it there. Um, <laughs> well, it got going eventually. Uh, <laughs> I did enjoy it. Um, Tom, what, what were you thinking on this? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Takuma, with the whole... You know, I, I think your argument to me came across as it, it seemed like there was genuine, like, reason behind it. And But but at the same time, Harry, I really liked your po point on culture in that, yeah, you're right. Like, I, I view basketball as an American sport. And, you know, if if the Olympics was coming, the U.S. were to absolutely tonk it and not do well at all, I, I would be absolutely shocked. Um, I think I'm going to go with Takuma on this one because I think that he managed to... I mean, I, I don't really know F1 or basketball, but he managed to convince me that th th this Red Bull driver, what, Sergio Perez or something like that, he managed <laughs> yes, to convince me that, that he's going to win. He's going to win whatever he's going to win this year. Um, and and, he's and for that win, reason, I'm going to go with no you. No doubt about it. He's going to win a lot. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't know Sergio Perez, but now I'm rooting against him forever. <laughs> uh, Luke. Um, right, so with Takuma's argument, I loved it because I love Sergio Perez. Oh, you would. I, I <laughs> would absolutely love to see um, his prediction come true. Um, there's a part of me that thinks it is a very, very, very big long shot. Um, and whereas Harry's 
I think the argument you gave, obviously, we're talking about two things. Here. We're not really talking about how likely it is to happen. We're talking about which would be the biggest upset. Um, as someone who watches F1, um, Mercedes not winning would be the biggest upset of that year. It'd be the most interesting F1 season for six, seven years. Which is more likely to happen does have to factor into in, in my in my likelihood of it. Your explanation for why um, you, the US won't win the basketball, the Olympics, or um, sort of lose their dominance that made a lot more sense to me and I really, really enjoyed it because it kind of, to me, it almost went down the, the, the cricket route where like Australia and India sort of fought back against the colonizers and started winning and then... Um, Ooh, I, I like really that. Liked that. I really, really like that kind of um, idea of you exporting a sport and then suddenly all these places pick it up and then beat you at it. Um, so, Tecumar, well, I loved your argument and um, I really, really hope it comes true. Um I think I'm going I to give too. it to Harry um, because your argument was really, really solid and strong. Uh, one, one, far one, too one. kind, far too kind, Luke. You're a good guy. Uh, I'm sorry that I voted against you last time. <laughs> yeah, remember that. Yeah, um, yeah. I thought I thought you actually, yeah, both good arguments. Um, I thought Takuma did make a good point about which one's actually more likely to happen. But I mean, I, I again don't know much about basketball. I will. I know a lot more about Formula One than I know about basketball. Um, I don't think either's likely to happen. To be frank, um, <laughs> I. But actually, I also did. I. And Perez is a great driver, don't get me wrong. But as you said, uh, Hamilton's so dominant that like, even if he didn't have a teammate, Mercedes would win the constructors. Um, so I think I'm going to go with Harry on this. I think he gave some really good points about the other teams and the kind of reasons that could derail the US team. And yeah, I think I just, I just decided that his argument was slightly stronger, but it was close and I really enjoyed that. Um, right, so we're going to move on, and uh, Takuma, you can make up for your for your loss immediately with a face-off against Tom with this question. Oh, so, <laughs> despite Sheffield's win on Tuesday evening, they're still stuck at the bottom of the Premier League. So tell me, what is the worst follow-up season in sport? Tom, you're going to start us off. I think you're going to regret that, Saliba, because... Um... Because I, I think the worst follow-up season in sport is your beloved Chelsea. Um, and I'm going to go for Chelsea's 2015-16 <laughs> season. Calling season it. after they Tap won the one. league. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, season after it. they won the league. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I looked at the squad and, and it looked like you kept most of your players from that league winning team. You even bought a couple more players. You bought Pedro, I think. And you still had Hazard. You still had Courtois. You still had Matic at a good age. You had Willian. Oscar, Cesc Fabregas, all at good ages, and you finish 10th. And I just think for a team that's just won the league, and, and, and you know, I mean, I, th- I think it's worth caveating that it is, it is really hard to retain the Premier League title. It's very rarely done, and it's only been, we've only been seeing it more recently because of City's dominance. But to finish 10th with largely the same team is just unheard of. Like, that, that, that team was terrible, and I, I think... What what I found really funny, I was I was I was looking into this team because I know for a fact that you're going to know everything about this season and quiz me on everything about that team. <laughs> but what I found even funnier is that Chelsea had the longest unbeaten run of any side in the league that season, yet they still drew eight games within that run. <laughs> oh, that's depressing. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you know to go from Premier League champions with Jose Mourinho, one of the best managers in the world. Eden Hazard, who is one of the best players the Premier League's ever seen, probably, um, and still finished tenth. You know, I, I think that was 
yeah, just incredibly, incredibly funny. Ample, yeah, I mean, obviously. as long as I hate to say it, that's, that's, that's a very good, strong argument. Uh, Taka, <laughs> what have you gone for? I mean, I've kind of also gone down... Da- oh, we're bringing this all back to football. It always comes back to football. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, um, I, I'll be honest with you. I was Googling, um, you know, worst follow-up seasons and stuff. Most of it was so boring. It was like random second division German teams and English, I don't know. So I, I had to kind of bend it a little bit. And instead of saying, like, follow-up season, how about follow-up campaign? So, of course, I'm talking about the winning World Cup nations uh, between 2006 to, well, 2018, possibly present. Um, You know, their curse of, um, you know, winning the World Cup, but then in the following, uh, the follow-up sort of World Cup season, if you like. Um, Yeah, just (laughs) not even just being, not living up to expectation, but just just doing woefully, (laughs) just doing woeful. Right, so let's get into the arguments then. I think there's two really strong ones, actually. Um, Tom, let's let's start you off. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, let, make, make sure you stop me because I because I, I'll, I'll keep on going. But um, yeah, the the World Cup also, point. We is... hate Michael, so yeah, you can, <laughs> that, you can get him to cry. Exactly. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, yeah, that Ch- Chelsea just we hate them. Anyway, um, on the World Cup point, I think you know it's such a valid point. It's great for the competition of the sport that you know we don't have back-to-back world cup winners and it's incredibly hard and incredibly rare for that to happen um and you know i was actually considering going for spain myself because they managed to go from one of the best teams in the world to getting knocked out in the group stages in in four years time um but my sort of counter argument to that would be the the challenge with winning the world cup and retaining it is the time distance the, the gap the gap between world cups and, you know, what, what tends to happen is um, is that you'll get a team that has eight or nine players in their prime, you know, 26, 27 years old. These are all the best players in the world. The problem that comes is that in four years' time, they then become 30, 31, and they can't quite run as much as they used to. They can't quite play with the same intensity. And I think what's happened with a lot of these teams is they've had a really bad, a really bad balance between sort of youth and an experience in that, they have a few good play- they have quite a lot of good players that are 19 20 probably not good enough to win a world cup yet and then they have yeah. a load of quality players that are 30 31 who are past their prime and you know and, sure. and they tend to get pit by another team that has a team full of quality players Back, like, let's let's think... interrupt him what have you got to say yeah that, i was <laughs> uh, um I, I do agree exactly with what you're saying but then that also you could think about it in the it's not just um you know one-time thing this is three following you know subsequent world cups so this this works out really what you're saying really works out bad for for, for germany because it's almost like they've have been like you know the, the they've already seen you know what happened to italy and what happened to spain and the fact that what you're saying yeah that you have these players that are in their prime and then they go and then four years later they're still playing these players you know um and then ultimately getting knocked out to the likes of bloody Paraguay in the group stages. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think anyone from Paraguay is going to be watching. But Taki, what, what would you say about the then... what would you say about the Chelsea record then? Why don't you think that's quite as shocking as uh, defend my team, please? <laughs> well, I mean, 
I'll be honest, I don't really watch a lot of Premier League. <laughs> I haven't watched that particular. I didn't. I, don't, I can't recall that season. Look, a, a lot of the time, you could you could bring up any any team really that was doing you know so well, and then all of a sudden sort of dropping off quite a lot. I think um, it, a lot a lot of the time teams form really comes into into play. So it's not like just because you have um, you know good players that did well last season. You know they could really easily just um, they could just drop off if they you know catch a bad run of run of form you can fall into a loop you know um, that's why you have for example the Leicester season when they won the won the Premier League you know nobody you, at the start of the season you wouldn't say those players are the ones that are going to win the win the league that season and they go and do it just uh, you know In fact, that was the same season or that was the same season yeah yeah I was going to say oh it was okay I think the form point is incredibly relevant um and i think it's pro- part of the problem with sheffield united this season you know they, they were on such a high getting promoted to two two seasons um out of three and you know they took that into the premier league and after the lockdown they sort of lost their form and i think that could, the same could be said of chelsea but i think you know what what strikes it for me is i think the season before when they won the league they lost three games that entire season and then the season after they lost 12 and they drew a load of games as well and it's like you know, there's a there's a form point, but at the same time, when you've got elite players and an elite manager, they should really be like that. They, they have the sports psychologists, they have the players to get past that form. You know, and and you see it with the top teams now when when they're in bad form. You know, that that will last five or six games. It won't last pretty much an entire season. All right, I'm gonna call it there. I, well, I say I say we don't call it there yet, and we all tell jokes. <laughs> um. Right, yeah, I think. Again, I don't need to lose. I don't want to lose. <laughs> I think that I think they are two two really good examples of uh, in football, probably two of the most recent shocking examples um, of teams just dropping off completely. Uh, Luke, where, where where are you thinking on this? In terms of what I think is most shocking, I think we're looking at the difference between a t- um, a international team four years later not having the form they had, and um, I think Tony had a really really good. Um, explanation for that which is where you have like a, a team that's all in their prime and then four years later they're too old and you've got people who aren't experienced enough coming up um, so in my mind there's an element where there's almost well that's kind of expected um, and it's not quite as embarrassing as say Chelsea which um, because we're looking there at a few months later when the season restarts we're looking at a consistent um, failure throughout that season um, and I think that's worse. I think that you, you're comparing, because um, I don't know how often you have international friendlies anyway um, when you, you haven't got competitions going on. So you're not comparing the same consistency of form, um, whereas you're seeing something four years down the line. I think to suffer so much in the Premier League the season after, I think is a lot worse. So I'm going to have to give it to Tom. All right, that's a point to Tom. Harry, where are you going on this? Yeah, this one, oh, this one was really back and forth and I was changing my mind so much. But um, yeah, I like that Chelsea one and I didn't realise how bad they were, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I didn't know, yeah, I just didn't realise how bad, how dreadful, how boring it was. Um, sorry, Michael. But no, then, oh, I like the interpretation of the campaign. But, you know, Tom's rebuttal, well, four years is a long time and I was like, yeah, yeah I'm with Tom now. But then... Tack comes back and he says, well, it's not just one. It's not just four years. It's more like 12 years. And then I was like, oh, he's got me because it wasn't just. Yeah, because there is this pattern that Luke mentioned, which I, which I think is dead on. Like 
you know, is it that much of a shock? But it wasn't just, oh, we've won. And then we've had the usual like crap year. It was like, wow, we've, we've won. And then we've just completely like, we can't do anything. We've I don't think from, Italy I've... even qualified for the 2010. Well, there you go. It's like unbelievable. It, from, uh... Not from one to 10, like Chelsea, more like from one to like arse end of nowhere. So, oh, that, but uh, yeah, actually, but then he insulted the glorious state of Panama, which I didn't care for. There's Paraguay. <laughs> oh, Par- oh, was it Paraguay? Oh, I've just missed them they as well. They topped the group in 2010, actually. They topped the group. So oh, I do okay, apologize. Well, it's not that much of a collapse then. Because <laughs> uh, 2010, I think I think I got this right. 2010 is um, so Italy came last in their group. Oh, last. Uh, Paraguay top, um, Slovakia second, New Zealand third, and then uh, God, Italy that is fourth. Shocking. So that is yeah, that, that is, is shocking. shocking. No offense to New Zealand people. Oh, yeah. Italy. Um, I, yeah. I, 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 so sorry, Harry. Which way are you voting? Oh yes, yeah, so I was trying to buy time because this is such a toss up, but. I'm really sorry if I had to go for it. I'd have to go with Tom because, you know, it's just that unprecedented drop, you know. No one saw that coming. So, a uh, hard one, but I'd have to go with Tom. Yeah, I thought I, I, I agree with a lot of what Harry said. I think that it was really back and forth, actually. Um, I think, and I know, Takami, you don't watch that much Premier League football. I know you watch more La Liga. But there was a, I thought there was a real, I'm just saying this as a Chelsea fan, the obvious blow to Tom's argument is that Chelsea won the league the year after. And I just think the fact is that how much of a blow is this if the team wins <laughs> the league the year after? Um, so, yeah, that. Uh, but um, that said, I mean, especially Spain's won. The fact that they went, you know, 2008 they won, 2010 they won, 2012 they won, 2014 they dropped off. And they've not come back. Like, they still look, well, they're starting to get better a bit now. But, like, um... You know, in 2018, they still looked poor. Um, yeah, but, 2014 was that year yeah. for everyone, wasn't it? Like Brazil as well. That was the year they just like went from we, yeah, powerhouses oh, to God, just that like... Was awful, that was yeah. the seven... The seven yeah, uh, seven so ones, I don't know what the, what was going on with that World um, Cup, but it really scarred some people. I mean, I was expecting as well, because Spain, even though they, they did get um, knocked out in the group stages, they still had uh, Netherlands, who, of course, wanted... Um, revenge, <laughs> which they got. And um, then they also had Chile as well. Chile, so. That's quite a hard group, actually. I mean, that, that's quite. It is a. It is. It is a difficult group. It's compared so, um, to the Italy group, which. Yeah, exactly. Italy and then also, also Ger- Germany's Ger- Germany's group was. Oh, they lost uh, to. Uh, well. Didn't they lose to South Korea? Was that? Yeah, was South it? Korea, um, Sweden, and Mexico. I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, Sweden and Mexico aren't awful. I mean, Mexico's quite a good team, but you still Germany. And it was a good German team as well. Most of their players remained. Um, but uh, on the base of the actual arguments made, I think I am going to go with Tom. Um, but I thought, yeah, lucky, lucky that Tackman doesn't know enough to know that Chelsea won the league the year after. This is why that I wasn't against you, Saliba. Anything to have given. <laughs> yeah, Chelsea. keep saying, keep, yeah. keep saying, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> right, and so to our final of the scene head to heads, it's uh, Luke against Harry. Um, Luke, can you make up for your earlier loss? So. With Marcus Rashford once more leading the fight against the government, who has been the most impressive political figure from the world of sport? Harry, you can begin us. Thank you very much. Well, just just very quickly, you know, about Rashford. Had he not have been the example, there's a good chance that I picked him because, you know, he does, he does get a lot of credit, but does deserve it. And, 
You know, I, I really hate when people say he's just out for himself because I think that's just wrong. And honestly, even if he was, which I don't think he is, who cares? Because the net positive is still there. I don't think he is out yeah, for himself. Yeah, incre- but... incredible what he's been doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Incredible. So, you know, that's our leader that's of just... the opposition. Yeah, that is uh, class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, so that's class. So I just wanted to say that. But yes. So there's, but there's one answer and it came to me straight away. And that is the great, the greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali. Uh, so cast your minds back a bit. But yeah, Muhammad Ali, the reason why I picked Muhammad Ali is because obviously he refused uh, to fight in Vietnam and he basically lost everything. But then he lost everything and got it all back and was bigger and better than ever. But just before I hand off here, you've got to remember Muhammad Ali, when he lost everything, was at the absolute peak of his powers, one of the biggest names in the world. And he chose to give it all up, knowing what he would lose. And it didn't stop him. Other people... You know, I think Colin Kaepernick, you know, who have lost a lot, a lot more with all respect to him. He wasn't Muhammad Ali. He wasn't at the absolute top of his uh, game. So I'm going to hand off now. But yeah, more to come. Well, it's funny you might say that. uh, Luke, do you want to go into your argument? uh, No. (laughs) So I have chosen Colin Kaepernick. (laughs) My example. So this is going to be very interesting. Um, so I think, so the reason I chose Colin Kaepernick is, um, obviously it was 2016 when he started kneeling for national anthem. And I think it was very obvious. We're now seeing it play out in America. This, that racial intolerance never went away. And if anything, it's stronger now than it has been in a long while. And the fact that people, um, people took issue with that was just, it's mind boggling. This idea of completely peaceful protest, um, protest, sorry. I think the reason it really made my list, though, is how powerful that specific stance has become. If you saw, obviously l- last year, Premier League, everyone was doing it. In F1, everyone was doing it. I'm sure there's other sports where people were taking that knee. And unless you're a Tory MP who thought it was from Game of Thrones, everybody, <laughs> everybody knows um, <laughs> what that stance means and, and now what it stands for. And I think, um, obviously, Kaepernick is not. Ali, he's not got, he's an, well, still an incredible sportsman, but he's not the, doesn't reach the absolute peaks that Muhammad Ali did. But um, yeah, I, I, I think it's the stance that Colin Kaepernick did, despite not being um, at the very top, top, top of his game, he still um, took on that political stance and has created a symbol which I think is now recognised the world over. I think really two interesting two interesting uh, opening statements there so now you get to tell me why the other person's <laughs> iconic political figure is not as important as yours yeah this one's <laughs> such a bag this is so hard because you can't, i, I want to win but i don't want to discredit colin kaepernick because he's a really good guy and he's done a lot so it's just i've got to be really careful i think careful. we can both forward that we we all agree that both these figures are fantastic incredible yeah. figures yes, now with all that sure. said let's pay <laughs> Yeah, so with all that being said, yeah, I, honestly, I think it's, had I not chosen, I only said that thing about Kaepernick because I thought about him too, and I was like, oh, I'm going to pick this. But yeah, obviously great. And, you know, four years on, like you say, it's become such an even bigger thing. So, you know, it's aged so well. And like, you know, looking yeah. back with like a 2020, 2021 context, it's like, you know, hit the nail on the head, didn't he? And it's crazy how like, ahead of the time he was so all credit there and like you say you know he's a name in england now isn't he he said colin kaepernick even like my mum would be like oh is that that american footballer guy which you know does she know a single other american football player no um so i think that's a great point but muhammad ali let's talk about 
the greatest. You know, why I've chose him is because he went away at the peak, like I said. You know, he was already the top dog. He won the world title, I think, when he was 22, beat Sonny Liston, who at the time was one of the greatest of all times. But then he gave it away. But while he was away, he became even better. That's when he learned how to, like, speak the way he speaks and become the iconic trash talker that people know him as now. He wasn't really doing that before. It's only when he took the time off and was actually speaking at these marches and these rallies and these, like, political things. That's when he became such an iconic speaker. Went back to boxing with these new skills. His boxing was still top. But he was all of a sudden like an amazing speaker and he just turned that into trash talk, which became such like an iconic part of his style and what people remember him for. So the fact that he went away at the peak but came back at a second even better peak, I think is just quite impressive. But standing up for something that he truly believed in, could have lost it all, you know, really took a gamble, but stuck by, you know, stuck to what he meant. I think it's quite uh, quite amazing. Well, Luke, obviously... what would you what would you say, especially about the lost at all? What would you what would you say about that? Um, I mean, you you can't deny having your boxing license revoked and sort of basically be facing potentially prison for three years is not what anybody would want to do in the middle of their like incredible boxing <laughs> career. But I think Kepernick, um, Kepernick, sorry, is a bit more Im- impressive in the sense that he isn't Ali. He doesn't he, Ali. I think he's so famous because obviously incredible political stances, incredible motivational speaker in, the, in that, and just really, really inspiring. But also, he was just incredible. Like he, he just beat everybody up. Like he, he, he's, he's so top of his game. And I wonder if, with view in the same light, if he wasn't, if he was just a good boxer. Huh, um, yeah. And I think his political sort of legacy is so tied into the fact that he was the boxer that he was, um, that. I think it's more impressive that Kaepernick isn't the best American football player in history, um, but he's still become a household name, and that's because he had this position. It, and for me, it's the simplicity of the symbol. Um, and I think when you've got anything in sport or anything like that, it's if you have one symbol that can just transcend boundaries in terms of um, countries, people, and they can tie it to the, uh, the cause that they're doing it for, just the kneeling thing, I think is just... I think it's incredible, and I think that's that's a, a symbol that's going to define the sort of generation. Um, yeah, well, I definitely think that's um, you know spot on there. But it's just interesting because we're uh, both. I think our counters are the op- are complete opposite. You're saying it's yeah. more impressive because he had lower stakes. I'm saying it's more impressive because the stakes were higher. <laughs> and if you look at someone, you know, Michael Jordan. I don't know if you've seen like the Last Dance, but he had that famous. Rep- I'm not going to endorse this uh, Democrat because Republicans buy shoes as well. And so that you know, he's a comparison to a Muhammad Ali and. You know, he didn't take the same stand. Obviously, that's his decision. But anyway, I like what you're saying a lot. I like what you're saying. And if I lose this, I couldn't have lost to a better guy. <laughs> okay, well, I feel oh, like okay. on that note, we're going to call it then. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I thought, yeah, I mean, again, it's one of those ones where these are both uh, incredible people. Um, I don't think either anyone would, would doubt these are both absolutely incredible, both sporting and political figures. Um, Tom, where are you, what, what are you thinking on this? Yeah, I'd, li- I'd like to second that, really. And I think, you know, I mean, as you're having this debate, I was just thinking, how depressing is it that, you know, th- these athletes are both 30, years, 30, 40 years apart, and yet both of them have, you know, a significant stake in the civil rights movement in America, which I think, you know, s- sums, up, sums up everything that's going on over there. Um, I think on the weight of things, both made incredibly good points. And, you know, it's quite hard because you're essentially arguing correct points in the opposite manner 
with a whole low stakes with a whole low stakes versus high stakes argument. I'm going to go with Luke um, and Kaepernick because I think you know taking the knee when it happened, it was such a significant moment. Um, you know, it was like, and I think it was a significant moment because it because it was almost like you know civil rights in America had sort of not been put to the back burner, but it wasn't as much of an international issue or it wasn't as talked about as much internationally. And that kind of was a reminder globally about that. And the fact that it's come back over the past year with the whole Black Lives Matter protests um, and the fact that it's now ingrained in every sport, every like pretty much every sport is doing it, I think that for me pips it. Um, yeah, I, I agree with everything that, um, that's been said. Um, and I really do like, as Tom was saying, you know Luke's argument as to you know being so iconic and his position not necessarily you know being based off of his you know uh his uh his career you know his sports so, so to say or his position in, in the sport him not being so much in the in the in the limelight kind of thing but you know it is it's Muhammad Ali come on like <laughs> as, yeah like the state I mean you you you've got to you know, you go onto I don't know Pinterest, YouTube, everything. You can. Muhammad Ali is so iconic in so many people's lives, and um, yeah, I, I'm going to have to make uh, Michael's life a little bit harder and go with uh, go with Harry. Going to be a tiebreaker again, Saliba. Oh, he loves it. He loves the power. You can just see his, his little <laughs> well, face lighting the, up. That's not the way this worked. As I've explained, all your points <laughs> count. Uh, um, yeah, I thought that uh, it was, though. It, it Really good points from both of you. And obviously, these are both incredibly... It's, it is a hard as well, because I, th- I, I do slightly favour Harry's argument on the basis of... As, as in, about... I think if you've got more to lose, it's harder. Um, I do genuinely think that. Although, I would argue that Colin Kaepernick... He's kind of being justified now, but let's not forget that he's... Is he, I'm, I'm not an expert on um, uh, NFL, but is he playing yet like he went no. years without yeah no well, he one sued would take him the, um, he sued the nfl and it got settled because he said that they colluded to keep him out of the league yeah so there is a counter argument that he you know he wasn't good enough anymore but they settled out of court so yeah can't, it's can't um, talk about that. i mean he you know it it, it it arguably cost him that career at least and he's become a bit of a political figure now but um but but yeah, whereas whereas Ali was able to come back and win world titles and have some of his most iconic fights ever, um, so I think there's sort of I can yeah. But also on the other hand, I think you're right in saying that Ali was the risk to Ali in his career was enormous, and obviously he didn't know how things were going to turn out. Uh, that things turned out or like all right for his career is sort of separate to the risk that he was taking at the time, and prison time is certainly bigger than anything else, you know. Um, but overall, I'm going to go with, with, with Luke because I thought that the, the stance is so iconic. And um, when you think back to big political events and moments like it's it's those sort of images that stay with you. You know, the, the Black Power salute of the Olympics, those kind of images are the ones that, you know, the... the, the the, the Colin Kaepernick's kneel has now become, yeah, the symbol for the entire Black Lives Matter movement, arguably. And that mi- and it might continue for the next 50 years. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with I'm gonna go with Luke on this, but both, obviously... Yeah, can't, well, can't complain about that. Incredible political figures. Good little debate, that. 
Um, okay, so we're now going to go into the blind round. The rules here are slightly different. It's still head-to-head, but the guests will give their answers before they get the question. No matter what they've picked, they have to defend it to the death, okay? You're going to get 60 seconds each is the way it's going to work, all right? Are we ready? Okay, so for, to kick us off, we're going to put the two people drawing. We're going to put Harry and Luke against each other once again because you're both drawing. Oh, Christ. All right. You're going to get 60 seconds, okay? Now, I want you to both name a sportsman. Go first. <laughs> um, Roger Federer. Luke? Ronaldo. Roger, Fe- <laughs> Roger Federer and Ronaldo. Okay. Um, I'm going to get... So, Luke's going to start. One minute. Why would Ronaldo win in a fight? Go. I mean, have you seen the legs on him? You that jump where he jumped like ten meters in the sky. Um, I mean, he's obviously got a lot of power there, and I wouldn't want to be on the end of a kick from him. Imagine a roundhouse. I think um, they're both going to have incredible stamina. Um, but actually, I, I forget who's taller. Um, I, I forget how tall Ronaldo is. He's not a short boy, so um, I think he's going to have the reach. I think he's got the leg power. Um, also, he's very handsome, and I think people would be worried about breaking that face. I think there'd be a bit of a, whoa, don't want to destroy a priceless artifact there. So, I don't know. I th- I think, You've got 20 uh, seconds left. 20 seconds left. What else? Um, I'm sure he did karate in his past as well. I'm sure I'm not making that up. <laughs> and the, there's some MMA experience tucked away. Seven seconds. Oh, you got... And you remember that bulge from that statue? He's obviously got balls, so he's uh, <laughs> going to be strong there. Wonderful. Okay. Right. A fantastic opening argument. And Harry, one minute. Go. Well, you know, you had me going with a few of those things, but if you're actually going to argue about someone being handsome, are you, can you say with a straight face <laughs> that Roger Federer is not the absolute perfect specimen of a man? Oh, my goodness. So... <laughs> You've lost a bit of credibility there, but I'll keep going. Federer, you know, ambidextrous. You've seen him shoot. You've seen him play shots of his right and his left. You've seen him do left through the legs. You can't, you know, he's bobbing, he's weaving. He's got that stance, that boxer stance, left, right, left, right. I wouldn't want to go against him. He's got the money, 140 million or something prize. He could probably just hire a team full of goons. Thank you for that. Um, (laughs) You know, he looks the part when he wears that white and that headband. Um, He comes with a tennis racket. What's Ronaldo got? <laughs> he doesn't have any kind of built-in weapon. He can't bring anything in without arousing suspicion. Um, ultimately, Federer, I just I would never count him out. He's been doing it for so long. He could, he could, he'll just learn how to fight and be the best today because he's the greatest of all time. Okay, time. Right, <laughs> lovely arguments. Tom, where are you standing on this? Uh, you, you know, that... It, I'm very conflicted right now. Um, <laughs> also, can I just say, why did it turn into a thing about who's the most attractive? <laughs> I, I think that's genuinely what's important my decision right now. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, Tom, sorry. Y- you know what? I think there's they're, they're both really valid points. Like, I, I wouldn't want to get into a fight with either of them. Let's let's just say let's just say that. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with Roger Federer purely on the basis that he apparently gets a he, he apparently gets a weapon. He comes yeah, with a I I have seen how hard he hits those balls. I do not want to be on the end of that. Well, and you know, as we said, Ronaldo has huge balls. <laughs> 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 Going out 
on the radio. Uh, Takuma. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm actually going to go with Ronaldo just because, um, I mean, the guy can, what, he can jump like two, what's it, 50 meters in the air or something like that. Um, yeah. So uh, he just, you know, do running fly kick or something like that with studs on. Uh, I, I think he's got it. <laughs> Alright, I th- oh, I I really liked both your arguments. Um, apart from when you got weirdly carried away with how good looking they are. Um, I I do I do think I'm gonna go with Harry though because I I really did like the point of that. He's got a racket. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> There's no rules here. It's just how you argue it. Um, I was looking so, at a yeah. picture of him and I was like, what has he got? And then I saw it and I was like, well, there you go. Uh, that actually sends Harry to the final. So we're going to find out who our other finalist is. Uh, it... I no, it can't Tom. be Luke what? anymore. Um, okay, so... Uh-uh. Tom and Takuma. I want you to name a sport. Mm. I'll go with... I'm going to go really obscure. I'm going to go with table tennis. Table tennis? Really obscure. The sport <laughs> that everyone has played. <laughs> <laughs> obscure in, in, in terms of my knowledge. All right, uh, Takuma. I'm going to go with darts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You've both gone for pub sports. I know nothing about darts. <laughs> well, I hope the question's about a pub then. Well, you know what? Um, I want... Uh, so, Tom, because you're ahead, you're going you're gonna to go first. I want you to argue why you would be best at this sport. Go. Well, I mean, I think the first reason is that it's easy to practice. I know a lot of sports are easy to practice, but you can also practice against randomers quite easily. Like, have you ever been to a park and you see a table tennis table there? And I'll tell you what, if you've ever tried to play on those table tennis tables, the nets are absolutely terrible because they're, they're rock hard. They're not, they're, they're, they're not actual nets. So if you hit the net, then the ball goes flying. So <laughs> I think that I could become the best table tennis player because I would essentially go there, challenge random people, obviously in a non-COVID time because, you know, we're, we're not supposed to be talking with other people at the minute. But you go there, challenge random people. And as, the minute you learn how to hit the ball on the other side of the table over those rock hard nets... Is the minute you become the best table tennis player in the world. I mean, I'm, maybe not in the world because I've seen the way that they play and they're absolutely oh, sorry, ridiculous. Sorry, you've got 10 but, seconds left. <laughs> but my point is, is that I would become the best table tennis player in the world by practicing a lot on those tables in the park. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. I like how it's not even just the best out of you two at this particular sport. It's just the best <laughs> in the world. I think I got a bit carried away there. I'm not going to lie. Right, Takuma, <laughs> why would you be the best at darts? Go. Oof. Um, well, obviously in darts, you know, you first of all, to be a good or to even be a great darts player, you've got to have a great name. You know, Phil the Power Phil. I mean, I only <laughs> figured that one out recently. <laughs> such a cool name. Um, but, you know, I could have uh, a decent name. Oh, shit, I've got to think of what i got to think of. Um, Tack Attack, Tack Attack Does that work? So, obviously, automatically I gain, like, what, plus 30 on um, my darting skills. So... That would be one reason why I'm better at Tom. Thanks, exactly. Darts. Um, and uh, yeah, um, 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 I've played it a lot already uh, at the pub. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right at it. You've got 15 more seconds. I thought you said 10 seconds. No, 30, I said. You're oh, 10 crap. now. Um, um, uh, you've got, you got dress well. I mean, yeah, I've got, I'm pretty sure I've got like a, a, I've got a, a, a decent darts like outfit in my in my closet <laughs> oh, stop. 
Okay. Can I just say I'm really offended that you uh, you just insinuated that I don't dress well, Takuma. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was going to be some mention of what would rhyme with hunt. I mean, I, but, I, should um... just, I should have just said, like, before the game, I'll just hide Tom's glasses and then he wouldn't be able to be too good at, <laughs> at table tennis. <laughs> Takuma, I'm I know not quite you wear glasses blind, too. That's not... I've got contacts out. I've got, cont- <laughs> I got contacts. Right, um, Harry... <laughs> Oh, it's a tough one. Uh, but I did like that argument about darts, you know, being... It's a showman's game, isn't it? The actual darts no one cares about. You know, you got a cool name, you look the part, you can go far. So I'm going to have to go attack on that one. All right. One, one for tack attack. Luke. Yeah, tack attack. I absolutely love Tom's argument that he's just going to go to random parks and <laughs> challenge strangers. And I was kind of really hoping Takuma would say he was going to do the same by just throwing darts at people passing by. Um... <laughs> Yeah, Takuma's theatrics argument, I really, really bought. Um, I really, really believe that somebody with a cool name, with a cool dress sense, could make it in darts. Um, So I'm going to have to vote for Takuma. Another point for Takuma. Um, Yeah, I I did love the Tak Attack. Um, Just the the, the fact that he he forced himself to come up with one... (laughs) live <laughs> and then panicked uh, <laughs> um but it was it was it was a good one yeah uh, tack attack works um tack the attack yarwood um but um but also then you ran out of steam i thought i thought tom actually kept the argument going for the full 60 seconds um the idea of him challenging random people in a park also i'm not quite sure why he talked for so long about how hard the nets are in the park it, it's a really important point if you've ever played on those tables it is so I annoying i swear they're mean, always yeah. next to like hills or like lakes they're, they always seem to be in places they really shouldn't be i think um, i think it, i think it's just a way of them making sure that people don't hog the table because you run out of have you ever played table tennis on a ferry because as soon as it goes what? like a little bit too high oh yeah the channel um channel crossing um i remember we bought like five balls and like as soon as it went slightly above the net just the wind picked them up and just <laughs> <laughs> over the side <laughs> it was a money making scam that it was like yeah one pound for five balls and you're losing within 30 seconds <laughs> oh the channel tunnel just littered with ping pong balls <laughs> um, um right yeah um Oh, they were both funny arguments, both very good. I think I'm going to slightly side with Tom just because he didn't run out of steam. And, you know, that's part of this. Part, can you keep it going? The stamina of 60 seconds. So, yes, right. I've not actually done scores at any point in this in this uh, show, which I probably should have done. But um, we're in the final round, and I can reveal the final scores. So, in last place, but only just, and doing a very valiant job, it is Takuma with three points. But a very, very valiant job. Thank you. Just narrowly ahead with four. Not quite getting into the final. It's Luke. And there, so our two finalists, one, again, just one point ahead of Luke and only, and only two ahead of Takuma. It's Harry with five. And Tom is ahead with six points. But in the final, it's all to play for. None of these previous points count, okay? So the way oh, nice. that the final works, right... The way that the final works is that I'm going to give you one statement. One of you has to defend it and the other has to argue against it. There's no contrary here. You just get 20 seconds to make your case. Since Tom's in the lead, I'm going to let them decide whether they're going to defend or, tr- or say true or false about the statement. Um, and they're also going to start. Okay. So, Tom, are you ready? 
Yep. How long do I how long do I have for it? Twenty seconds. Twenty seconds, alright. Yeah. So the question is, twenty twenty one will be British sports finest hour. Are you going true or false? Oh, Ooh, okay. I'm gonna go for false. Okay, false. So it's not the finest hour, and you got twenty seconds. Three, two, one, go. I'm gonna go false for one reason and one reason only, and this is in football, which is my main sport, and it is because I think Gareth Southgate is not a good manager, and England are gonna absolutely bottle the Euros, and it's gonna be depressing. We're all gonna get really hyped for it. Scotland will beat us at Wembley, and that will be the lowest point in English history, actually. Out of in terms of those relations, and then you know I'm sure that Time's elsewhere. Up. But strong, strong. Fill fill the time as well. That's always key. <laughs> I was okay. about to start talking about other sports, but I'm glad that I didn't have to get into that because <laughs> that would have gone terribly. Uh, also, uh, it's so predictable that you decided to just bash Gareth Southgate. I'm surprised <laughs> you didn't bring up uh, Greenish. In fact, you haven't brought up Greenish. I, I was going to, but Greenish is now in the first eleven. So, oh. right, Harry. So you're arguing that this this year will be british sports finest hour you've got 20 seconds go yeah so i wanted the other one because i thought immediately just like you did but then i thought i think it will be the finest hour for the british female athletes we have got an amazing roster dina asher smith katarina thompson johnson the lionesses so honestly while i think the men's are gonna be rubbish like you said i think the women are gonna absolutely take it to the next level so i think it will be very proud Oh, okay. Uh, very. I yeah, that's tough. Um, salvos. So you two, Takuma, Luke, I get the final say here, but um, but I'm interested to see what you think. I really agree with Tom on his assessment <laughs> of Gareth Southgate. Um, so I'm a bit biased in that opinion, but um, yeah, Harry. It. I mean, that's a really really interesting argument you made. Um. Yeah, and I think it's, it's criminal that we, we we don't follow like women's sport as much as as much as we do men's sport. So I'll have a look out for twenty twenty one. I really really like that argument. Uh, Takuma, where are you going on this? Yeah, I think I agree with Luke on this one as well, and uh, uh, well, and Harry obviously. Probably But I mean, we're in a struggle even if the if the if the, if the Euros even go ahead. So uh, it can't possibly be. A bad hour. <laughs> oh, so I'm gonna go with Harry. Um, I think yeah, I think that. I mean, both make good arguments, but I, I, I have a bit more. Let's give a bit more credit to Southgate. He got us to the semis, all right. Um, and I didn't think your argument was quite convincing enough to say why it would be so awful because Southgate, um, which you might hate that Tom, but uh. But yeah, I thought Harry made good points. We've got some phenomenal female a- athletes out there uh, at the peak of their powers. Uh, Katharina Johnson-Thompson is, is she's due to win. Um, and yeah, we've got the well, we might have the Olympics this year, and who knows where that could all go. So I'm going to say that for the second ever show, our winner of the Head to Head podcast is Harry Dennis. Oh, I have no problems losing that argument. Good job. Yeah. I'm just glad that I managed to get a bit of Southgate slander in there. okay well thank you very much to my guests for their phenomenal work today tune in next week for more arguments debate and perhaps even some knowledge i've been your host michael saliva and thank you for listening in